RTTN family, welcome to this week's podcast. We just want to take a second and welcome you if you're listening in your car, out for a walk, or you're on your break. We hope this message encourages and helps you in some way today. We pray God blesses you right where you are. Be sure and join in live on Sundays at 1030 a.m. Just visit rttn.church to check us out and get connected. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. I want you to stand and go to Daniel chapter 3 quickly. We continue our series this morning called Bible Stories. Bible Stories. How many love the Bible? How many are thankful for your Bible? I'm going to ask you to turn my monitor up, please, Mr. Soundman. Thank you. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. I want to preach this morning on faith in the fire. Faith in the fire. Notice I did not say faith from the fire. Because sometimes faith won't keep you from the fire. And we need to fix this in our theology class. Just because you go through a fire don't mean you don't have faith. I said just because you go through a fire doesn't mean you don't have faith. Sometimes faith doesn't keep you from the fire. Sometimes faith keeps you in the fire. How many know that God is faithful? Say amen, church. Amen. I want you to go to Daniel chapter 3. Verse number one, keep turning that monitor up, Mr. Soundman, please. Thank you. That, those two right there. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width six cubits. If you're wondering what that means in the King James, it's 90 feet tall. Now, how many know that's a big giant? That's a big idol, amen? He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music. You will fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship, somebody say worship, shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So at that time, when all of the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and in symphony with all kinds of music, that all the people nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans, somebody say certain. Somebody else say certain. Come on, look at somebody near you and tell a neighbor, I'm certain. 
I'm a certain kind of Christian. I'm not just a normal kind. I'm not just a casual kind. I'm a certain kind of child of God. Can I have a witness in here today? At that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Is it okay if I read the whole story today? There are certain Jews, somebody else say, I am certain. Certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in a rage, if you ever want to get the devil mad, just, just always make sure you don't fall down and worship the golden image. If you ever want to get the devil mad, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep worshiping the Lord. Then Nebuchadnezzar in a rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them, is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up. Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony, with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I made, then good. But if you do not worship, you will be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who? Is this God who will deliver you? How many know when the enemy starts asking questions like that, he don't know how to deal with the answer? Who is this God who will deliver you from my hands? Shad I'm going to get ready to bless myself right here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you again in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, I can't find nobody to help me. If not, let it be known to you, O king, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship your gold image which you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar, can I read the whole story? Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the heat of the furnace be turned up seven times more than it is usually heated. And he commanded certain, this whole story is filled with certain kind of people, certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. 
Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fire. Can I read the whole story? Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke to his counselors. Did we not cast three man, men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered, and they said to the king, can I read the whole story? True, O king. Verse 25, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth man is like unto the Son of God. Can I read the whole story? Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Look at your neighbor and holler in them. Holler in the ear, say, come out and come here. Mm -hmm. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. The satraps, administrators, the governors, the kings, the counselors gathered together. They saw these men on whose bodies their fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, neither were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on. Can I read the whole story? Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying blessed be the God of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any God except their own God therefore said the king I make a decree that any people nation or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, can I read the whole story? And Abednego, they shall be cut in pieces. Their house shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this God. Can I read the whole story? And the last verse said, and the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I feel like I could go home already. I feel my help coming on. How many are thankful that in spite of the fire, your faith is greater than the fire? I said your faith is greater than the fire. Somebody pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless the people to receive the preaching. Anoint me to do it today. And we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. Lord have mercy. Help us, God. Hey. 
Jesus. The story of the three Hebrew ch children is one of the most known stories in the Bible. As with every sermon we preach, how many recognize that the context of the story is critical in understanding the story itself? So I want to just take a moment to acquaint you with the context of Daniel chapter 3. It's important that you understand the context in which this story happened. The majority of the book of Daniel occurs and is written in a place called Babylon. Babylon was a pagan nation and a sworn enemy of God's people with a king who was hell-bent on world domination. In fact, if you are a student of history, you know that in 605 B.C., under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon marched into Egypt and defeated Egypt and moved swiftly eastward into Judah and besieged it in 598 B.C. Judah, the place of God's people is now under siege from this king named Nebuchadnezzar and this nation called Babylon. This forced the expulsion and the detention of the Jewish people. It became known as the Babylonian captivity. It is one of the most significant watershed moments in the nation of Israel's history. Israel was destroyed. The Jewish people watched their homes burn to the ground. Their temple had been razed. The articles of the temple had been stolen. Babylon took the people of God and chained them like animals, dragging them through the streets of their city as they were crying out for help. And they led them all the way back to Babylon, this foreign land where they would begin to adjust and find this new way of living as slaves in Babylon. For 70 years, the Jewish people lived in a foreign land it is then and from there in this foreign land of Babylon under the rule and reign of an idolatrous king that the book of Daniel and its contents come to us. When the exiled Jews were brought to Babylon almost immediately in the first chapter of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar takes a draft of the finest young men that have come to Babylon from Judah. He goes after Israel's youngest, brightest, uh, those who were most likely to succeed, those with great potential. And he begins to draft them so that he can tutor them in the Babylonian culture and the Babylonian way of life. We are told in uh, Daniel chapter 1 verse number 3 that Nebuchadnezzar told his chief, of his, of his army, go find young men in whom there is no blemish, those that are good looking, gifted in wisdom, possessing knowledge, the young men that are quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Among those who were selected was a man named Daniel. Everybody say Daniel. And three of his young friends we know them primarily as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but how many know that those names were the names given to them by the Babylonian culture? Their original names were much more significant. Their original names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They, these men, were taught, educated, and equipped with the skills that would make them beneficial, uh, make them beneficial to the citizens of Babylon. 
Uh, history tells us they became fluent in Babylonian language. They were well-versed in Babylonian culture. They even experienced favor and opportunity in Babylon because the text says in chapter 1, look at chapter 1, verse uh, 17 through 21, the text says that after they went through all this training that the king of Babylon looked at Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and they said about these Jewish kids, they are 10 times better than anybody else in my kingdom. How many know that just because uh, sometimes we feel like we're in a foreign land, how many know it doesn't mean that, that, that we don't excel above those who belong to this generation and those who belong to this crazy society we're living in? I don't think that people in the kingdom have to take a back seat to the sons and daughters of disobedience. I believe that people who are citizens and sons and daughters of the kingdom of God ought to actually be 10 times better than everybody else in their field. I can't find no help in here. I believe you ought to be a leader in your house. You ought to be a leader in your high school. Find some help in here, somebody. You ought to be a leader in your college class. You ought to be a leader in your workplace. You ought to be a leader in your office. You ought to be a leader in the field that you're in. I don't believe God it gets great pleasure in, in, in the sons and daughters of this world being wiser and greater and more successful than his own children. I believe God's children ought to have uh, what, what, what I would call a, a, a likability. Have you ever met somebody that was just favored and blessed by God and you didn't necessarily understand it all but there was something about them that was attractive? Can we just get back to loving Jesus so much that his love oozes out of our life in a way that even people in the world who don't know God find something unusually attractive about our lives? Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they stood out in the land. They were God's children in a foreign culture, in a foreign land, and they were still blessed and highly favored. We should take a moment to discern and apply the truth that is revealed here. They had access, they had opportunity, they had success. And here's what I want you to hear me say to you today. As a citizen of the kingdom of God, you and I should excel. We should rise to the top. We should be 10 times better. I ain't getting no help in here. We should be the one that our boss depends on. We should get there early and leave late. We should leave the cubicle cleaner than we found it. Ain't nobody helping to preach on Memorial Day weekend. Even though we are citizens of the kingdom of God and we feel like we are on foreign soil in this crazy world, we must remember we are still representing the heavenly father and his kingdom and there ought to be an attractive difference about our lives. I said an attractive difference because some people come to church and are just different. But I want to be attractively different. Oh, y'all not helping nobody. I don't want to be a Christian that has a reputation but the wrong kind. You know them people, when you see them coming, you don't even know. You act like you got a phone call. Y'all don't know nobody like that. 
I want you to understand God wants you to rest in such favor that even in this foreign land that we live in, we still operate in a measure of excellence and a measure of kingdom greatness that it, it makes it impossible for even our haters to ignore the favor of God that is on our life. We just do things better. I said we, see there's some people in here right now, you're getting all bent out of shape. Oh, what's he talking about? I'm talking about being a kingdom citizen. Well, I'm a Christian. I want to shout. I am sick and tired of everybody wanting to shout and fall in the floor, but it not change our behavior when we walk out the door. Hold on. If all you do is shout and fall in the floor, but still cheat on your time card and cheat on your taxes and cheat on your wife and cheat on your husband and and you lie and you don't change, you can stay in the floor and they can, they can lay hands on you till your head looks like a piece of fried chicken. You got so much oil on it, but it is the Holy Ghost that makes the difference. And when you really get transformed, it's not just about a blessing you catch in this altar. It's about a life that is lived out those doors that makes a difference in the culture you live. Look at somebody say there ought to be something different about us. There's a reason why your boss can't trust all those coworkers with you. They all lie. So why are you trying to be like them? How many know you're a child of the living God? You don't have to lie to get a promotion. Work yourself into a promotion. Educate yourself into a higher place. Don't just stand there your whole life and let life pass you by. You're better. Oh my God. You're better than that. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. You're a child of the king. And because of that, there is a demand of responsibility. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 19, they were 10 times better than all those in Babylon. The children of Israel were 10 times better. Do you know why you ought to go to Chattanooga Times, uh, best of the best, and check off Together Cafe as the best coffee shop in town? Do you know why? Because when you walk in there, not only do you get great coffee, you get the Holy Ghost. There are people who don't even know the Holy Ghost who walk in and go, oh my God, what is so different about this place? There's just so much joy and peace in here. We know. We prayed over it before you got there. And we didn't just want you to come and do us a favor. We wanted to actually provide the best cup of coffee in Chattanooga so that we do it well with excellence and you leave feeling like you had great coffee and an encounter you don't even know how to explain. My God, church, we ought to be better. I'm tired of Christians always like, oh, praise God. We'll understand it better by and by. How long are we going to whine about this thing? I'm tired of whining. My daddy didn't just save me so I could barely get to heaven and drag my lip across the finish line. Farther along, we'll know all about it. No, baby, when we go in, we're going in saying, look what the Lord has done. Look what God did in my church. Look what he did in my house. How many know God can do it in your life? 
I feel faith rising. How many know God can do it in your life? Okay. Now, my commission to you today, family, is to represent the kingdom of God well. If you're not going to tip a waiter by 50 cents, don't tell them you just came from church. You're going to scream and go crazy at the retail shop because they, they didn't save the money and take the coupon off and you're going to act the fool. Don't tell them you go to church here. You represent the kingdom. Are there times I want to scream? Yes. Are there times I get frustrated? Yes. But I represent somebody who has a kingdom and an agenda that is far greater than my frustration. I'm an ambassador and a citizen of the kingdom of God. My life is not my own and yours ain't yours either. And the next time you get tempted to cuss somebody out, remind yourself your heavenly father died, sent his son to die for them just like he died for you. And they deserve to be respected. I can't find no help on Memorial Day weekend. Well, this ain't even what I came to preach. My commission to you today is do life well. Work hard. Be the best. Well, that boss of mine, he just take advantage of me. You know who's watching? God. And if that joker ain't careful, you'll take his job before it's over with. Because God will promote people nobody else knows anything about. I want to commission you to represent the kingdom well. Learn the language of the culture. Excel in the marketplace. Be the best. Learn the most. Read a book. Let me walk around here and talk practical for a minute. Read a book. Can we find some Christians who will read? I don't want to read. The only thing I want to read is a Facebook. I want to read my face. There ain't nothing on that thing for you to learn. It's all crazy people, and they call themselves your friend, and you don't even know where they live. Read a book. Advance yourself. Stretch your mind. Learn. This is too much for some of y'all. I see, un I see people right now. He is unspiritual today. He, no, this is the problem. We have, we have become pros at revival, but we have lost the art of discipling nations. And you can't just shout. You gotta shout. You gotta have revival. But if we don't have some people who can walk into boardrooms as CEOs and CFOs and lawyers and we got we to know what we're doing. And God saved you from the world. And then he strategically put you back in it to turn it around. Is this all right? Okay. So my commission last time, my commission to you today is represent, represent the kingdom of God well. But as we come to Daniel 3, the potential for spiritual disaster surfaces. You see, by the time we come to Daniel chapter 3, 
And Daniel chapter 3 begins to unfold. Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah are all living comfortably in Babylon. They are experiencing the best of the culture. They are living in cahoots with the king. They are living in his favor. They are moving up the ladder of success. They are impacting history and shaping the culture of Babylon. And then it happens. These three men experience a test. Not of their giftedness. Not a, not a test of their success or effectiveness. But an, a test of their integrity and their fortitude. In fact, it goes even deeper than their integrity and their fortitude. It goes into a test about what and who they will worship. Amen. When you hear the music, when you hear the music, said Nebuchadnezzar, I want you to fall down and worship the image that I have made of gold. Now, you must understand and take into account what this meant for these three men. Their entire livelihood was at stake. Their salary was on the line. Their future was on the line. These men lived in the palace with the king. They knew the language of Babylon. They understood the culture of the Babylonian people. They were the excellent leaders of the day. They were experiencing success. They knew the feeling of open doors, but there is a significant potential threat here in Daniel chapter 3. And the threat is this, that in light of all of their blessing, in light of all their favor, in light of all their, their influence, they were tempted and told, when you hear the music that we produce, fall down and worship the image. And it is almost as if the entire populace of Babylon in a cosmic trance falls down collectively to render worship to this false god and this golden idol and that everybody would just begin to bow before it in obedience and worship as they paid homage to this idol. And here are these three men. What is the threat? What is the problem? What's the big deal? Would it share our gifts and expertise with the world? But we must be reminded today, we give our worship to no one but Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, have mercy. And our Lord, I believe this Bible story has a cautionary reminder that no matter how gifted you are, Oh, I wish people could hear me say this today. No matter how influential you become, no matter the tables you sit at or the doors that open, regardless of who you stand among and the rooms that you stand in, no matter how successful you are, no matter how many followers you may have, this story reminds us that while we may be gifted and while God may give us favor, in no moment at any time is it ever right or permitted for you and I to share the worship that belongs to God with any other idol or any other false god erected by the society. And the, in other words, only Jesus is going to get my worship. In other words, only God is going to get my worship. I know it sounds old-fashioned and it sounds crazy, but you better hear me today. Satan is always fighting for your worship, your time, your talent, your
your treasure? What will you do when you come to church and how will you live, live when you leave? The enemy wants your worship. There is a war over who and what we will worship. But pastor, if I don't bow to this golden idol, if I don't bow to this false god, then uh, they're going to take everything I have. They're going to take my money and my salary and all that I have, and they're even going to take my life. If I don't fall down in worship, I'm going to die in the fire. Well, I found out something. Many, many, many of us do not like the fire, and I understand why, because fire burns. How many have been through some fires in your life? I'm not talking about natural, but I'm talking about some spiritual fires. I'm talking about when the whole house was on fire and you just barely escaped out the kitchen. I mean, you had to run and jump out the window. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the whole family was under an attack. The business was under an attack. The marriage was under an attack. The in-laws and the outlaws, everything was under an attack. And you can look back sitting here today, looking back over your life, you think, my God, he knew how to get me out of that. It's still a miracle. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here today? We don't like fire. But the Bible is very clear about it. God doesn't always keep you from it. Can I have one witness? God doesn't always keep you from the fire. In fact, there are some things you won't find out about yourself and your faith until you get in the fire. If God kept you from every fiery trial, some of you would not be as refined in trusting God. As you, in fact, there's a reason some of y'all are in hell's kitchen right now and you're not having a nervous breakdown. It's because you look back over your life and God already brought you through some fires. And now that you're sitting right here in one right now, five years ago you would have lost your mind. But the reason you still got any modicum of peace right now is because you just really have the unmitigated goal to believe if he did that once. I know I'm not talking to everybody, but can anybody in here testify that God did it once? No, I'm trying to find you. Where are you at? Just one time. I just need to testify for a minute, Pastor, that he did it one time. Well, I came to tell you, if he was good enough to do it one time, he's God enough to do it again. reason we are right listen I gotta oh, I gotta get this out the reason we are raising in our generation such such limp-wristed saints who fold and flounder at the at the first sight of any fire is because we told them it would always be easy and we told them they'd always get what they want and we told them it would always come the way they wanted it to but God is far more interested in you having authority than he is you having a little bit of comfort and sometimes you got to walk through something to remind the devil not that he's tr God's trying to teach you something, but sometimes you walk through something to remind the fire. There are some among us who the fire cannot burn. There are some among us that the water cannot drown. What if God ain't trying to teach you something? What if God is trying to teach your enemy that no weapon formed against you? Oh, Lord. 
Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor. Say, it's Memorial Day weekend. Say, I know he, you're in a hurry. But say, I need this. I need this word. So let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There are some things you cannot find until you get in the fire. Well, let me teach. I'm going home. Number one, the fire will bring punishment to your enemies. God will often use the fire intended to destroy you to defeat those trying to destroy you. The Bible says that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow, the king got mad about it and he turned the fire up seven times hotter. And the fire got so hot, in fact, I was reading this yesterday, some people believe this fire was as hot as 1,400 degrees. How many know that's hot? It was so hot that they were getting ready to throw the three Hebrew children in the fire and they bound them up and they, they wrapped them up in cords and they were getting ready to throw them in and the men who were sent to throw them in the fire actually got so close to the fire intended to kill the three Hebrew children and instead of it killing the three Hebrew children, it killed the enemies of the three Hebrew children who would, have you ever stopped to thank God that God destroyed some of the stuff trying to destroy you? I want you to know today that every plan the enemy has to take you out is part of God's plan to bring you into another place. And just when it looks like the enemy has got you in a mess, God will remind you of what Joseph told his brothers. You meant this to destroy me with, but God has a way of taking what the devil meant for evil. The Holy Ghost on me right now. I feel an old storefront camp meeting anointing on my life right now. What the devil meant for evil, God will turn it around and somehow make it work out for your good. I'm not just talking about hope so stuff. Can I have one witness? Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Has it ever looked like you were the one in trouble? But before God got through with it, God turned it around on your enemy. Hold on. The fire that the enemy wants you to be afraid of is often intended to punish your enemies. Number two, the other thing you can't find till you get in the fire is protection. I'm getting ready to get on some thin ice right here with some of you. But we want to talk about protection and ain't never been threatened. How can you know God is a protector if somebody ain't ever tried to come against you? <laughs> yeah. How do you know a life raft works until they throw your tail in the water? It don't float till you get in some water. And we always act like, 
Oh, protection is when nothing happens. No, protection is when the devil tried to make something happen and it didn't work like it was intended to. I wish somebody in here praise God real quick that, that it's not that God always keeps you from it. It's that in the middle of it, I don't even know how to tell y'all this, but in the middle of the fire, I feel like God put a Linux air conditioner right in the middle of the furnace and cranked it up and said, chill out here a few minutes, boys. I'm getting ready to freak Babylon out. I'm getting ready to show Babylon that their God, oh, Lord have mercy. I better quit it because I feel like preaching myself into a fit. I feel like God is trying to tell somebody today, if you've been in a fire or you're walking through a fire, the enemy wants you to believe you're going to die in the fire. But I came to tell you that God you serve is able to protect you from the fire. I, I, will, I, I, I am old enough. I am old enough. We got to quit carrying on. I am old enough to remember when the aquarium was built downtown. I remember the inaugural party of the aquarium celebration. MC Hammer. Y'all, I'm telling you the truth. Back in the early 90s, I think this when this was, they had this laser show on the side of the aquarium wall. We had never seen a laser. We were all broken, living in the hood. We didn't have nothing. They started playing MC Hammer and a laser show on the side of the wall, and we started. <laughs> Man, we were going crazy. Do you know what song they started playing? You can't touch this. And I know that sounds funny, but when I was preparing this morning to preach to you, I felt like God reminded me of that little story. And I, I know some of y'all can't handle this because you're too deep and you need to be much more educated. And pastor, how dare you bring such an irrational thought to this pulpit and, and, and not be academic. Oh, get behind me. Let me testify a while. There have been some times I was living in hell's kitchen. I thought I was going to lose my mind. The devil told me it was over. The devil told me I had no future. But I came today. Hold on. Anybody else come with me today? I came today to remind the devil you can't touch this. If God be for us, who can be a stop three people telling him he can't touch it? He can't touch it. He can't touch it. The devil said, if you let me put my hands on Job. He'll curse you to your face. God said, don't touch Job. You can't have him. I know Job went through some stuff, but at the end he came out and the devil could not touch him. I wish I had a church who would praise God. Lord, y'all, y'all make me holler. I'm trying to teach protection. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. I'm in Psalm 91 of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowl and from the noise of the pestilence. 
you to thank God right now that even in the fire, you're still protected and you're still covered. Protection. 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 I'm saying this to you, not for those who God keeps from the fire. I'm preaching this for those who walk through it. If you get in the fire, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. You ever met somebody who acted like because they've never been through a trial, they were superior? I feel sorry for you if you ain't been through something. How would you ever know God? Uh, how would you ever know God could heal if your body never got sick? How would you know God couldn't put you to sleep if you never had a troubled night? How would you ever know God couldn't give you peace if you never went through some turbulence? Oh, there are too many people who get the wrong concept of Christianity. Christianity is not about God keeping you from everything. It's about God keeping you through everything. Some through the water. Some through the flood. Keep on going. The third thing you'll find in the fire that you can't find outside the fire is you'll find unusual manifestations of the presence of God. So number one, he'll punish your enemies. Number two, he'll give you protection. Number three, there's a presence coming in the fire. You find out something about Jesus in the fire, you can't find out outside the fire. I need one witness in here right now. What I like about this text is that the Bible says they put three men in bound. But when they started investigating the situation, the king said, hang on a second here. Y'all, y'all, 
How many men did I put in this fire? <laughs> well, King, we put in three. That's what I thought. We put in three who were bound, but now there are four who are loose. I'm trying to behave. I, I'm going to finish this in a talking tone. Ooh, I'm trying to behave myself. But how many know? I forgot about it. How many know that when he gets in the fire, everything bound gets loose? The measure of freedom does not come when you come out of the fire. There is an increase in the measure of freedom while you're in the fire. I'm going to tell y'all something that's going to freak y'all out. This is going to freak you out. Preachers in here can give a witness to what I'm getting ready to say. The most anointed I've ever been in my life while preaching is in the greatest battle of my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The most anointed I've ever been is when I'm walking through the greatest warfare I've ever walked through. Why? Because there is something about the presence of God that increases when I go through a fire. And there is something about the measure of freedom that I experience when the measure of God's presence increases even in the midst of fire. There is an increase of freedom when there is an increase of presence. And there is an increase of God's presence when I get in a hotter situation than I am used to operating in. Ah, uh, that's why the hotter the enemy turns up your heat, it ought to induce and produce out of you a greater level of expectation for what is on the way. When you start feeling heat that is seven times hotter than what you're used to feeling, it is because there is something about your life that has presented itself as a grave threat to the kingdom of darkness. And darkness understands if it doesn't do something to destroy you now, there's something on you so strong. Oh my God. There's something on you so strong that if you ever get out of this fiery furnace, Everybody in Babylon's going to know God. Be because on your life is an anointing that breaks yokes. God, I feel, I feel something on me this morning. I feel like somebody's faith is rising up in here. I feel like somebody's understanding a little bit more about this fire. He said, we put in three bound. But now we got a problem. That's for Luke. Can I tell you the fire will multiply? The fire will bring multiplication. The fire will bring increase. You'll go in with three, but you'll come out with four. You ever go through the fire one time, you'll come out with more than what you went in with. When Job, thank you, Elder, when Job lost everything he had, he was sitting up there and could have felt sorry for himself after all the hell he'd been through, sitting there on his back porch using a broken pot, which was an indication of his broken life. And the broken pot, he took the edge of the broken pot and began to scrape the boils from his flesh. And he's standing there and his wife comes out in the backyard and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just give up? And Job looked at her and said, with blood coming out of his skin and his mind wrapped 
racked with grief and worry. He looked at her and said, you talk like a foolish woman. Naked I came into this world. Naked I go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And your Bible said that before Job closed his eyes and went to heaven, he had double of everything that he ever lost. I'm telling you, the fire will multiply you. How? In fact, I feel like prophesying to somebody right now. The enemy is getting ready to regret that he ever turned the fire up in your life. He's getting ready to regret that he ever messed with you in the first place. Slap three people, tell them, hey neighbor, God's getting ready to multiply you. You went in with three, but you're coming out with four. You went in with a little, but you're coming out with more. I feel the God of increase. I feel the God of increase in this house. If I'm talking to you, shout for 15 seconds right now. I really need you to shout. Oh, Lord. If you haven't been going through a fire, I know I'm not helping you. But if you felt the flames of the enemy trying to come upon you, if you feel like you've been in hell's kitchen, I want you to praise God this morning. preaching kept you too long but the last thing that you can't get outside the fire number one you'll get the punishment of your enemies number two you'll find the protection of God number three you'll experience the presence of God in a unique and dumb, dynamic way but the last thing no 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 yeah, right there, uh-huh. Yeah. This is a different Sunday. We're not going to slow, we're not going to land this one gently. This is a crash landing. I'm burning everything down in the house today. Hallelujah. It's a crash landing. The last thing that you don't get until you get in the fire. Number one, your enemies will be punished. Number two, you'll find the protection of God. Number three, you'll find the increased measure of the presence of God. But number four, you can't find promotion until you come through the fire. The last scripture in the chapter said, when they came through the fire, Nebuchadnezzar gave them a promotion. I feel like today is promotion Sunday for somebody Oh, 
Oh, my God. Devin, I just caught a vision, baby. We're getting ready to dance together in just a minute. Because there's some stuff that the enemy has tried to set up against us. And I feel like right here in the middle of my fire, God told me right then, he said, I want you to praise me. That promotion, oh my God, is on the way. I don't even know what it looks like, but promotion, I'm not just talking about a God, I'm not just talking about a job promotion, I'm talking about a God promotion. You said, Pastor, do you got Bible for this? My Bible said God is able to take you from glory to glory. And I feel like somebody is getting ready. I know y'all gotta go, but me and Devin gotta do some dancing. It's promotion Sunday. Hey! Somebody open up your mouth and praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord.
baby, let's walk. Look over at your neighbor and just go like this. Come here, elder. No, 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 come on. Come on, find your spouse, find a friend, just give him a little snip. Oh, Pastor, why can't you be more academic? Next Sunday, maybe, but today? Nope. Look over one more neighbor. Somebody said, what are y'all doing? We are performing a fire test. She's been through the fire. But not one hair on her head is singed. And I can't even smell the smoke from the fire. Somebody give God praise. Hey, yes, 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 yes.
Let's lift those hands up and voices. Come on, we bless you, Lord. Come on, lift your voices and praise. Hallelujah. That the cross would not be heavy and the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered our victories without fighting, but God said help would always come in time. So just remember when you're standing the valley of decision and the adversary says give in just hold on our God will show up and he will take you through I want to do this right now before we go home. Heads bowed and eyes closed and everyone standing in honor of the King of Glory. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor Kevin, I need prayer. I'm away from God. Maybe you were raised in church and went to church your whole life, but you're so far away from Jesus this morning. Or maybe you've never been raised in church and you don't even know who this Jesus is, but you know you need to get your life right today. I'm counting the three this morning, and if you know you need Christ to save you, I don't care what you've been doing and how long you've been doing it, I came to tell you he loves you. He's not out to get you. If he was out to get you, God could have already got you. Jesus is a merciful Savior. He's the best friend a sinner ever had. And I want to pray with you this morning if you want to give your heart to Christ and have new life in him. When I say three, if you're ready to get saved, throw that hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need to get right with God. One, two, three. Right now, lift that hand up. Anybody at all in the church? Anybody at all in the church? Right now, I need to give my heart to Jesus. Anybody at all? I don't, I'm not going to come get anybody. I'm just going to ask you one more time. Do you need to give your heart to Christ? Lift your hand if I'm talking to you. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I'm going through the fire. The key word is through. The key word is through. God didn't bring you to the fire to finish you off. He's about to get great glory for your coming out of the fire. And when you come out, promotion is coming to your life. Increase is coming to your life. I'm telling you right now, the enemy will regret he ever messed with you in the first place. If I'm talking to you and I preach to you today, just throw your hands up right where you're standing. Throw your hands up right where you're standing. I see those hands. God bless everyone. If somebody got their hand up near you right now, in the love of God, would you just reach over in faith and just begin to pray a blessing, a promotion over that life right now. Come on. He never promised that the cross would not be heavy. 
and the hill would not be hard to climb. Come on, pray for him. He never offered our victories. God said help would always come in time. So remember when you're standing in the valley of decision, the adversary, adversary says give in just Hold on, God will show up. Come on, pray 30 more seconds. Something's happening. He'll take you through. Sing it one more time, LeBron. Come on, sing. He never promised. Promotion's coming to your life today. Promotion's coming to your life today. The fire cannot consume you. He never Ah, Jesus, I thank you, Holy Ghost. I want to pray with you. Come here. God, touch your body and heal you this morning. By the power of the Holy Ghost, by the power of the Holy Ghost, make this body whole now in the name of Jesus, Spirit of the living God. Oh, Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Hold on, my Come on, there's something happening. I know some of you got to go. We love you. Get your babies. Have a great weekend. But let me sing this one more time for somebody receiving a breakthrough. Come on. He never promised. Bless you. Keep praying as long as you need to. Sing it again. Oh. 